Good morning, everybody. (laughs) There you go. That's great. Hey, well, welcome to the Inside Out journey of motherhood. And this will be our spiritual service of worship in honoring the Lord today, focusing in on moms. So how cool is that? Motherhood is, is is an honorable role. It is a worthwhile role. It is a fulfilling role, and we want to bring that out. And and like that video had had mentioned, it's just not one day out of the year, and I know that everybody knows that. But we can be extremely grateful for our moms, and we're very thankful. In fact, if you are a mom, let me just see your hands, please, if you're a mom. Okay? It's good. Well, thank you. We appreciate you and what you have done and what you continue to do. So today we're very excited. It's, it's the Conquer Bible Church Inside Out. And we want to expose some of the misconceptions or myths, as George had referenced, or even lies or fallacies, whatever you want to call them, about motherhood and present what we call the truth. The truth found in God's word, the Bible. It's the inspired word of God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. And we know as believers, Christ is our life. He is our gospel truth that we live out every day. And it has a profound effect holistically on how we view the world, how we think, how we feel, how we actually behave, and how it it can impact motherhood. And as a, as a, as a relationship with Christ, a, an abiding relationship with Christ, we are to bear fruit. Bear fruit as mothers to your children, to your families, and to all those relationships that God has put into your life. It's the most incredible journey that you'll ever be on. And for moms an incredible journey as well. The verse that, that George had read, Romans 12, 2, is a great verse. And there it is. We're going to be focusing on that verse, not to be conformed to this world, all of us as believers and moms, but be transformed by the renewing of our, what? Minds. That we can live out, that moms could live out this grace-filled life and prove out what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect with their families and their children. Which means moms, not to be squeezed in by culture or to, to buckle under the pressures of culture or to be squeezed enough where you, you begin to realize that there are these, these lies and these misconceptions that float around in your head about what it, what it means to be a mom. I'm obviously not a mom. I'm a product of a mom. I love my mom. And by the way, people have been praying for my mom. Over five weeks ago, she had a very life or death surgery, abdominal surgery, And the surgeon said, you'll be in the hospital for three weeks and two to three months in a rehab facility. And she just went home on Friday. So thank you for your prayers for my mom. She's a tough lady, let me tell you. And she lets me know that as well. But not to to be conformed to this world is, is one where if we see that our identity is in Christ then we know that who we are, listen carefully, moms, who you are as a redeemed child of Christ, being justified, being sanctified, determines what you do. It's not what you do that determines who you are. But your identity in Christ allows you to take off your blinders and and clearly see the lies that are just sort of floating around and often bring us down. So we're going to say, let's look at some of these myths of motherhood 
as, as Christ followers and see what we can do to uncover those myths and expose you to what God's truth is. Is that all good? All fair? You guys ready? All right, so I want to bring up some panelists. I'm going to be the moderator today, and I'd like to bring up three terrific moms, wonderful moms, wise moms, three different generational moms, always learning moms with special, wonderful children. So I'd like to bring up Linda Bensing. Come on up, Linda. How's it going? You can take a seat wherever you like. In the middle, okay. Here you go. All right, you will share the microphone, whoever sits to your left there. All right, I would also like to bring up another terrific mom, Marsha Wessels. Where are you, Marsha? There you are. Come on up. You want to sit next to Linda on her left side. Okay, good. Good. And then uh, our last panelist, the last mom, will be Julie Bardenhagen. Julie? <laughs> so how are you three feeling today? Thank you. Good. Okay. That mic on? Let's, let's see if that works. Yep, it works. And this, this one should be on. I'm feeling great, Bob. Okay, good, great, <laughs> good. So let's just do some, some quick introductions. Um, if you can just tell our family, our community here, um, how long you've been a mom, how long you have been a believer in Christ, and then how many children do you have? That would be great. And Julie, we'll start with you. Okay. <laughs> uh, my name is Julie. I've been a mom for eight years. I have an eight-year-old uh, son and a six-year-old daughter. Um, I accepted Jesus in my heart at a very young age, but I don't think I really understood his grace for my life, probably until I was about 19 years of age. And I've been in, experiencing that grace ever since. And what else? Other? That's it, right? Okay. Mom, yep. yeah, you got it covered. Okay, Linda, how about you? Thanks, Linda. And I have uh, two sons. I've been a mom for 37 years. And uh, I've been a Christian since I was 16 years old. Okay. Greatest decision I ever made. Right on. So good. And uh, we're going to be sharing a lot together. And maybe laughing, maybe even some crying. That's quite a fun. There's like Kleenex underneath your seats. This is all good. And we want to definitely try to uncover some of the myths that I will actually be showing up on the screen about motherhood. Some of these ideas come from this book called Hoodwinked, Good Resource for, for Mothers. And what we really want to do is love each other, encourage one another. If there's some insecurities that flow out of the heart, to expose those to the light, that's perfectly fine. We want to be honest with one another, be transparent with one another and just share lives, and especially share how God has framed your thinking and you being a great mom, just who you are, all right? So the process will be this. I'll have a question that I'll ask one of the panelists. If one of the other panelists decides to add some color to that or something extra to that, they're per it's perfectly, uh, Good, and then we'll do a, a short recap and then we'll move on to the next myth. We may not get through all the myths, but that's perfectly fine. We're gonna let the spirit lead today. Yes, we have some structure, but I have no idea what the outcome looks like. 
Now, how cool is that? I mean, I have it kind of framed up in my mind, but, you know, the Spirit can change all of that. So we're going to let God's Spirit move today. And I just want to start with prayer, and then we'll start with the first question. Okay? All right. Lord, just thank you again for loving us, for giving us moms, supportive moms, encouraging moms, inspiring moms, hardworking moms, and we are grateful. We are very thankful. Thank you that you have given us your truth that we can, we can rest on, we can build our lives on, we can build character on, and most of all, see you as the model of love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. And let us, all of us, see the, the incredible worth of moms. And just know that we want to continue to pray for them throughout the year. What an incredible role that they have, that they've taken on. And we are so proud of our moms. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so let's do this. Let's talk about the mosaic picture. Here, here it is. And I know you, you, you three know something about this mosaic picture, but I, what I want to paint is this, is here's the real mom. Everybody here, look at here for a second. Here's the real mom on this side, okay? Over here is the should-be mom. And in between, often, there's confusion, frustration, and the enemy is quite powerful to deceive, to accuse, to tempt in that space. And for some reason, not only moms, but we love... We love to camp out in the should be, putting high expectations on being a mom to our families. And so I want you to picture that this should be mosaic. You got to love the quote. A woman who does the work of, for 23, or I'm sorry, yeah, 20 for, three, for free. Um, see also Saint, Ruth Bell Graham. It's good. It's really like that. The, the whole should be uh, part of it can be very frustrating, but we build it. We construct it with pieces that we see happening in our lives. And that could be these little pieces of life. It could be from an internet story. It could be observing this perfect mom out here going, oh, how does she just, ha I, wanna, I wanna be like that. Or maybe it's an image in a magazine that you see that like, why does that mom just always seem to have things together? And, and this mosaic starts building of what, your, what motherhood should look like, but here's the real you, the unique you, the special you with your giftings and talents, whatever. So it's this whole thing. It can be very, very confusing, very frustrating. So I want to talk about this mosaic that mothers often build. Okay, everybody see that picture, that, that mosaic that's constructed? So I'm going to ask Julie. You'll be the first one up, Julie. There you go. What, what does that mosaic look like to you in terms of even before you became a mother, you started building this artwork about yourself of what you should be, maybe with some sort of influences or relationships or things you saw or you read or you heard or whatever it was. And how did that, how did that impact you as an individual? What, kind of, what, what did it look like? Um, well, I grew up um, with uh, surrounded by a lot of strong women. To put in context, my grandmother worked in the um, World War II shipyards um, in Richmond, California, and she became a mom at 17 out of wedlock. And most of the women in my family, that was the trend. Um, but I was surrounded by these women who had to pull themselves up from their bootstraps, go to work, also raise a family, um, and also had a lot of extreme adversity in their life. Um, maybe not the most supportive husbands and such. So uh, these women in my life were very um, capable and strong, mm -hmm. um, not showing a lot of weakness. <laughs> Even my mother growing up also, uh, I had that influence. Um, I had a long time to build up my mosaic of what a mother was, mostly because for a long time, I couldn't get pregnant, and sorry, I didn't want to cry over this, but um, so that was very, um, I had a lot of time to create a myth of what a mother was, or what kind of mother I would be, or do I deserve to be a mom? 
So that was a painful period mm. in my mosaic. And then I got the chance to be a mom and my mosaic evolved or crashed from there. <laughs> but I just wanted to impart that I think that I saw a lot of influences in my life from the women in my life. Um, the media or other things surrounded me in society didn't really affect me because I didn't see those strong women. Mm. Um, when I was a kid in the 80s, although women were working, um, my mom was a working mom, my aunt was working, almost all the women in my family were working moms, and I didn't see that. But to me, it, it really influenced me. Um, and back to my pain in my mosaic, um, I held that pain for a long time, even mm. becoming a mother. Mm. So that's something that I've had to work through. Sorry for crying. It's all right. Kleenex <laughs> right, right there. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Certainly understand. Um, so was there any piece of that mosaic that actually was it that, that kind of transferred from the should be to the real you? Was there something there that really resonated with you and stuck with you and you could actually, there was something in your life that you could use from that mosaic at all? Definitely. I think that um, by the time I had children, I, didn't, I, I had lost a lot of those women in my life, but not my mom. Mm. So I was able to lean on her and I feel like I, my relationship with my mother was reborn when I had mm. children. And I understood her differently, and I'm glad I had that opportunity. But um, the truth about myself was I felt very broken. But um, in becoming a mother, I was able to focus on um, the grace of God. And I saw that through my mother, through my church mm -hmm. here at Concord mm -hmm. Bible. And so leaning on God's grace, which is something I've always gone back to in my life, and that only Jesus can provide... It definitely, it sounds kitschy, but it, it is true that um, I wanted to be that strong mom, and I continue to want to be a strong woman, but I have to realize that um, there's many layers to that. Yes. And I yes. didn't realize mm -hmm. the pain that um, the women my family went through. I only saw them as these strong, capable women, but they had moments of weakness, too. Mm. So I feel like God and my mother were very influential in me working that out. That's good. That's good. Thanks, Julia. Thanks, Julia. Any anything else from Linda or Marcia? Had about that mosaic piece at this time? No. Okay. Well, thanks for for sharing that. And I, I would think that some of those expectations that we put on ourselves, these sort of self-inflicted expectations, can actually lead us right into the next myth, um, which is. Motherhood is all-consuming, all-fulfilling. A mother can do it all. It's like the perfect mom, right? The perfect mom. And it's, it's interesting as, as we did some reading on this is that moms just can't do it all. Face it. Can't. But often we, we either communicate in such a way where we do expect them to, to do it all. Um, you know, our expectation as believers is to follow Christ and let Christ be the one that guides us and shapes our thinking and, and our heart to, to follow and, and, and nurture the, the children that, that have been given to us. So the fact is, is that it's all, it can be all-consuming, all-fulfilling, I do know of moms who think motherhood is the absolute greatest role they could ever have. And that's how God has, has programmed, given them that sort of motherhood DNA, where because they feel so fulfilled with motherhood, they're able to create other ministries in helping children and other moms fulfill their, their motherhood expe um, expectations. So... The, um, we, we put this pressure on ourselves. Moms put pressure on themselves. People put pressure on moms that they can actually do it all, all at once. We're supposed to trust God and kind of find that rhythm, find the relationship that we have 
with the Lord and carry that over to the taking care of our children. So I have a question for Marcia about these expectations, you know, trying to do it all. Um, what were the expectations, Marcia, that, that you felt that the world was putting on you that you, that, that you can do it all? You're this incredible Wonder Woman, Superwoman. What were some of those expectations? And was there anything that you did uh, to sort of wean yourself away from those? and develop relationships and we were missing out on a lot of life because of just for that year and a half or two years I think it was probably about two years missed out on a lot of life with, with building relationships mm. with other families and friends and really experiencing life rather than sitting at a baseball game and so we, Ron and I talked about it and um, you know we really thought this probably isn't the path for us and then talked about it with our kids and they were like yeah and so we made incredible um, friendships with a lot of people from our church because now we had the time. And, so, and we went camping quite a few times with different families and became very good friends. And that developed even later down in life where one of those families, their, their son actually ended up living with us for a year when his parents moved out of the area. So he stayed finished high school and I mean, if we hadn't had that that relationship they wouldn't even know who we were you know so it really I think that played a big role in our lives of just not expecting to fulfill what the world says you have to do with your children you don't you know that's that doesn't come from God that comes from the world wow it's really powerful thanks Marcia oh Linda wanted to add yeah, something we okay had great a very similar um, situation as far as feeling that we had to get our kids into sports and that kind of thing. We had one son who was very sports oriented, so he enjoyed baseball. We had another son who was not into sports. He was into the arts and the reading and the music and everything. But we felt he, we needed to get him a rounded education, so we better put him in something. So we put him in soccer. And uh, for two years he played soccer, and we <laughs> did not know this, but at the end, and he's told us today, those were the worst two years of my life. So, <laughs> so, so there we goofed on that one. <laughs> but um, yeah, and, and they had their activities at church, which we felt was more important. And a lot of times soccer games conflicted with church Sunday morning, you know. So um, we, we felt that um, just being, and of course, one of them went on with uh, the sports and went into football and all, but um, the other one, headed to the music realm and so um, but with, with the church that I think that's the the key you know when you have a church that has good youth group and they can associate and they have activities and that type of thing that's far more important I think so oh it's really good really good so uh, Julie was there yeah. was there uh, a time when when you felt overwhelmed that you just can't, I just can't do it all. Well, my, jur my journey is uh, very short as a mom listening to these two. It's a really encouraging actually to hear that they felt this societal pressure about sports, like it's a generational thing because it very much exists today and is all consuming. Um, you know, I think the baby period, although I love babies, was very overwhelming to me, especially with my first. And, um, 
Um, I, uh, to lead into your next question, sorry, but how to overcome this myth. I was overwhelmed with the process of taking care of a baby, um, and I didn't accept much help. <laughs> but there were things that I turned to, because I'm a very social person, obviously, and I felt very lonely being a mom. Mm. Um, and so I was encouraged by friends, Rihanna, Benzing being one, and my mother to seek out social environments. So I joined a mom's group at Kaiser. I came to a Bible study here at Concord Bible that was here on Wednesdays. Um, and those were huge outlets in my life. Mm. Um, and I still have relationships from those social outlets. And I felt like people poured into me. And although I felt lonely and scared and afraid... I was, people poured their love into me. And um, there was one specific woman here who's not here anymore because she's with the Lord, uh, Jean. When I would spend most Sundays um, in the um, fireside room listening, well, kind of listening. Shirley was in there, some other moms. And we were listening, but we were taking care of our babies. And Jean would sit in the back of us and get us water and coffee. And she would pour love into us. Hmm. And uh, those were special times for me. And I miss Jean a lot, but uh, she was always um, remarking about how tough motherhood was and always giving us encouragement, hmm. though, in that space. And um, I just feel like being a mom can be very overwhelming and lonely. Hmm. You can feel alone a lot of times. So for me, I feel like I, I do... I do lean on God, but I also feel like God has brought people into your life to pour love into you. Yes. And, and, but you have to be ready to accept that. So um, I'm crying again. Sorry. But that's my Julie, answer. it's fine. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm thinking of some verses like Proverbs 3 that says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And a lot of that own understanding comes from what culture and media tells us what we are supposed to be doing. And we pile on these expectations that can get overwhelming, can get quite overwhelming. And acknowledge the Lord in all your ways and he will make your paths straight. I love that. I love that verse. There's so many applications to that verse. The Proverbs uh, writer says, you know, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And all of you have referenced all of you have referenced godly influences in helping you work through either the loneliness or the high expectations that maybe you either put on yourself or whoever put on yourself, or again, that mosaic, or godly people, the church, helping you through these, these times. And that's really encouraging to me, should be encouraging to everybody, that the community of, of Christ is not to be lived out in isolation not to be lived out alone, but we support one another. We do hurt. We do get lonely. We do get overwhelmed, and we need help. God, didn't, God designed his kingdom to be one of relationships, not tasks. So the fact that we can lean on one another, Gene, the church, your husband, all godly influences to help you through that. You don't have to be super mom. You can be mom and love your kids the way Christ has loved you. So it's good, good responses. Thank you very, very much for that, for just sort of blowing away that, that myth. I, I do have to say, I love that quote by Milton Berle. You got to laugh at that one, okay? How come others only have... And George, I think you made the reference that you needed more hands up here today. Like, it's like, I'm thinking, do you, you need your mother. <laughs> Anyways, which leads us to a next myth, and that is, it, you know, is motherhood a rat race? Can be, for, for those moms out there, um, knowing from my own, from, from uh, Laura, and, and seeing how involved that she can be in, in helping others, and um, this is interesting because it doesn't have to be a rat race. You don't have to do it all. In fact, um, this whole thing about 
making, taking steps to live a more purposeful life is something that you have the choice of making as a mom. So it's that whole thing about going, going, going. Marsha referenced it about with sports. We know that there's a lot of pressure for kids in, in athletics, also with the arts as well. Um, a lot of involvement, a lot of things going on, lots of different social interactions, even outside of church that, that, are, that are important, that God leads us to. But we can say no. We can say no. Because that, that whole thing about saying no gives an opportunity of someone else who may be more equipped to take on that task or that responsibility. You know, saying no may be, may be the best answer for you to spend that needed time with, with, a, with a child who may be uh, struggling through a class, maybe struggling somewhere else, maybe just needs someone to listen to. So this whole thing about trying to do everything in this rat race sort of mentality is, is a myth. Uh, we are to find rest in Christ. He tells us in Matthew 11, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I'm humble and gentle in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. We are to find our soul rest in him. But I, I do want to ask some questions about this whole rat race thing. I, I have to admit, when I was going through these questions, my, my wife had a, had a picture. She's going to kill me for this, but it's funny. I thought it was funny. <laughs> She took a picture of herself dressed up. I think you were holding a racket. You had a hat on and you had these crazy clothes on and you called it the happy, hectic housewife. And it was just this picture in my mind that came to me thinking, wow, that's a good picture of this whole rat race myth. So busy, yes. Purposeful, honey, yes. Oh, a helmet. <laughs> Oh, okay. Thanks for for shining a little color on that. That was that was really good. Um, so, Linda, um, when when you've been in a sort of this rat race shuffle, has there been someone that has come alongside of you to just sort of say, Linda, slow down. It's all right. Um, you don't have to do it all. I would say my husband. Roger! Yeah! <laughs> I, I would say that um, I had several, it was within the family, you know, and I, he, he was very good as, as far as just being able to read kind of how I was feeling and everything. And so a lot of times when the kids were younger, he would take them and say, you know, take a break, you need to get away. And sometimes um, uh, my sister in law was here, lived here, and she, her kids were. A year or two younger, and so we gave each other breaks. We took turns uh, taking the kids for a whole day, and the other one could have the whole day to do whatever they wanted. We did that on a regular basis. That was a real help to look forward to that. And um, then also, well, yeah, get away to Mount Hermon. My husband would send me away on my trips for women's retreats, mm. even when they were babies. He would take them. So it all came within the family, I think. And um, then, I, it, you know, being able to talk, too, with my sister-in-law, and because uh, we were about the same boat, you know, and uh, get encouragement and helpful hints on things to do and how to handle certain situations. So um, I would say that. And also, I, um, I had books that I was reading on raising children and tips that were given as far as how to be um, helpful. And I, I never felt like it was a rat race. I was frustrated sometimes. Okay. Maybe that's the same thing as a rat race. I don't know. But anyway, it, it was those times that, uh, yeah, that I was, uh, I didn't feel a lot of them, though, because I think I had a consistency with having someone to be able to, and you know, if I could throw up my hand and say, I can't take this any longer, my husband would say, go. I'm glad you brought that up, and I, I can't help think about the role of husbands in helping in helping the mom, and just guys, 
I'm talking to guys now. You got to be sensitive. <laughs> you have to just be in tune with what your wife's going through and allow her some time and, and give her that time that's needed. I'm, I'm hearing just a great relationship. Roger senses the frustration level, whatever you want to call it, the rat race level, whatever, just like, yeah. And so he comes along and just basically says, it's okay. Maybe we pray about it, right? Maybe we, maybe you're able to get off and, and, and go to a women's retreat and, and fellowship with some women. And um, that's, that's an important sensitivity for a husband and a wife, a mom. Julie, did you have anything to, to share about that in terms of anybody coming alongside of you that may have helped you slow down and rest? You know what? Um, very similar to what Linda mentioned. I think um, my husband, obviously, is he's a rock star dad. <laughs> and he, he and I are pretty in tune with each other and um, uh, give each other space when we need it from the kids. Um, we, both, uh, we both work. Um, we both raise our children. It can be exhausting. So we do lean on each other and we mm. have to communicate that when we're feeling overwhelmed or when we need maybe a night off or we just have to go to the store by ourselves <laughs> or uh, do something that's going to help us um, focus and, um, what do I say, like fill ourselves up so, yes. we can, so we can... So we can parent, so we can um, live life. Um, I also rely um, a lot on my friends um, to get me through. Um, I also am part of a babysitting co-op where we live hmm. um, with some like-minded moms, and that's very helpful. Uh, and we talk continuously and give each other support and also babysit each other's kids. So um, I think leaning on your... If you have a partner, if you have a spouse, husband, leaning on them, uh, communicating your needs, um, but also, um, I think, friends who you can trust to just even talk to is really important. Mm -hmm. um, and tell them when you're overwhelmed or you can give grace to them and su support them. Because so, I can think of moments where we've had to give each other support, friends, and I receive so much out of it myself, great. just giving them that grace and love. So this is, a, this is a wild card question, okay? And I'm thinking about this whole thing about busyness. Our culture seems to promote it. We keep stats about everything in terms of performance. It's almost like sometimes running a family could be like business-like, right? We're always gauging in terms of where we are and where we're going and all this sort of stuff that we do in our, in our society. But in Psalms, it tells us to wait on the Lord and, you know, be still and listen to him. So there's, there's something I want to ask each one of you, and I know you'll have an answer, but just give us a little bit of an inside look about your time with the Lord. And just be honest in terms of your time. Is it time that you're reading in the morning? Is it time that you're praying? Is it a continual praying throughout the day? How does that spiritually connect with you and helping you be a mom? Anybody want to start with that one? I would say um, I, it's, there's something about just getting away and being with the Lord. <coughs> I don't do it like the first thing in the morning. I probably fall asleep doing it, but I go, you know, a little bit through the day, maybe do a few things, and then just sit down. And somehow, when I do that, my whole perspective on what I'm, what's ahead of me and what I'm doing changes. And it's, it's just an encouraging time. I just feel, know that the Lord is there. He's promises to never leave us. I talk to him throughout the day, wherever I am, in the car, whatever. <laughs> I ask his forgiveness when I, some guy gets in front of me and <laughs> says, I say, oh, Lord, I shouldn't say that because he belongs, he's one of your creations too. So, but anyway, um, I do, uh, I do, there is a difference when you sit down with the Lord and spend time and just focus on him and his word and it, it 
my whole perspective changes on what's ahead and what I have to do, and I love it. Great, <laughs> great. Marshall, would you like to share about any sort of um, daily time with the Lord helping you as a mom? It's a little different being on this end, you know, as, being, as far as focusing, putting it in perspective of being a mom. Okay. Just because <laughs> they're not at home anymore. <laughs> okay. All right. But as far as, you know, just growing closer to the Lord, and I guess, you know, helping be a better mom in that sense. You yeah. know, anytime we grow closer to the Lord, we're better in our relationships, you know, all the way around. But um, I like to walk, and I have a Bible app. And usually every day um, we have a big building that we work in and I walk around at least once or twice and it's about a quarter of a mile to go around it and just reading God's word and communing with him and just talking to him and just just falling in love with the Lord you know because he is so good he is so good and you know there's times when I'm laughing and there's times when I'm crying and there's times when it's like okay call somebody and encourage them yeah, you so know, good. It's so good. you know just learning to listen to the Lord and um, being in His Word as much as possible. Whether it's when I'm driving down the road and listening to a Bible app, or sitting down, taking the time and you know sitting down, which is I don't sit very often. And Ron and Jeremy or, or Gabe could tell you that when we used to be at home playing games at the table, I it was, when it wasn't my turn, I was up making brownies, you know, or, or getting something, mm -hmm. you know, I don't sit much. And so for me, having a Bible app is really, really a wonderful thing. Great, great, wonderful, wonderful advice. I was gonna say, I'm not a morning person, as most people attest, you know me closely. So I, I would say most of my reflection or um, time with the Lord is how I process my day. So, um, but lately, I would spend a lot of time on, on, on BART praying for my safety. No, no, but really praying or really. Um, but God has blessed me uh, recently, and I say blessed because most people don't have this, where my commute changed, and so I have about a half an hour uh, more time to myself every day, which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Which has never happened. Wait, mostly did you, did when you I, hear what she said? She has 30 minutes more per day by herself. I, I'm not a morning person, and then my kids are a tsunami. They're very capable, but once they wake up, it's like everything's happening very fast until I get them to school. So uh, God has blessed me with 30 minutes where I can slow down my morning routine with my kids when I'm taking them to school. But I can also have um, time in the parking lot before work to um, meditate and pray and read something that's going to help me, either the Bible or a book or a podcast. So that's just been a recent development as of January. But before, it was always hit, hit or miss, I have to admit. Um, but I feel like now, I, when I first got this 30 minutes, I thought, oh, maybe I should work out. But actually, I've spent it mostly just preparing my spirit, you know, and having that precious time. So that's been a really huge development in my motherhood or, or in my life, really, personally. So That's really, some really, really, yes, Linda, did you want to? Can, can I just share an incident? It's sure. not about me, but. Um, Microphone. Uh, oh, uh, the Briscoes, I don't know, they're conference speakers, and um, they were at Mount Hermon. They've been at Mount Hermon several times. But anyway, she shares a time when she, her kids were little, and she just didn't have a whole lot of time to get away and be with the Lord. So she went in their playpen, and that was her time of quiet, and they knew they were not to bother her at all while she's in that playpen. And so one day, she heard one of the kids say, what's mom doing in there? And he said, I don't know, but when she comes out, she's sure a lot nicer. <laughs> so there's many places to have devotions, right? Oh, that was... That's so good. The Briscoes are, are, are great people. Um, so I'm, I'm also hearing different forms of prayer. You know, we sometimes, uh, in the evangelical community, we get very, sometimes very, a little bit more structured. We, we got frameworks for everything. Um, but the fact that you're just being so real with the Lord, whether you're reading something and, and communing with him, 
you're, you're, you're walking and you're praying. I've done that. I'm thinking people must think I'm absolutely crazy just talking out loud as I'm walking down the street. It's like, it's a crazy man. But understand that one. And then sitting and just getting some time alone with you and Lord to sort of just get centered for your day. And the, and the God, can, God can work through a podcast. He can work through a book. He can work through a devotional. He can work through, obviously, through his word. But finding strength, right, through, through this all to help calm, to help realize that there's interests of others that I need to be paying attention to. It's just not about me throughout the day. It's really quite powerful. And, and, and strengthening yourselves by that continual prayer. And it's different for every, every one of them. It's different for all of us. So that's pretty cool. So it doesn't have to be a rat race. It's almost uh, 11 o'clock. Gosh, and there's a couple more questions I just would love to explore. Um, but we're almost, we're almost out of time. But I, I do, do want to ask one more question. And this has to do with this next myth. Um, I have to do it all right or my child will turn out wrong. And related to this myth is another myth that has to do with my child's bad choice means I'm a bad mom. I, I, our children make choices and we're, we're not responsible for the choices that they make. All right? We are responsible to develop our own character with the Lord and to take care of the needs of those in our families. Mothers are incredible mentors and they're incredible teachers and they're um, trainers, they're developers. But, but <laughs> they can't do it all by themselves. So for a mother to pray for other people to come alongside of their children to help them along in areas in their life is a good thing to pray for good, solid uh, character of, of friends, of other mentors, teachers, um, youth, youth pastors, whoever it may be, to pray for that. The mother can't do it all. And when the child does make a wrong choice, maybe the daughter becomes pregnant. You know, maybe there's experimentation with drugs, alcohol, or, or sex, or whatever it might be. And just going, oh, gosh, what? If I didn't do this or that, my child wouldn't have done this or that. And we just beat ourselves up. And we focus on the negative. And we will dwell in that tent for a long time. And the enemy, the enemy loves it for you to stand there and camp out there when there's bad choices that your children are making. And you take this on this personal responsibility you're responsible for being the best mom you can be. How God has called you to be. And you can't go along fearing the choices that your children are going to make. Just can't. I want to ask um, Marcia about um, parenting where through the prayers that you've, you've had, that have, have just really helped, that God really answered uh, for you and your family? Well, there was, um, it's kind of, I feel like it kind of doesn't fit the vein, but there was a time where there was a prayer, there was an, uh, something happened with us. We had a little dog, and um, she got lost, long story short. We came home, take, took the kids to Wednesday Night Bibles, or, uh, youth group, came home, and um, she was gone. The gate was open, and she was gone. And we looked everywhere, and it was dark. It was like, okay, we're not going to find her. And she was, just not to offend anybody, she was the best dog in the world. <laughs> and we loved her dearly, and it was just heartbreaking that she wasn't there. And, and it's also very scary. You know, it's really, really scary. And because you think of all the horrible things that could have happened. And so um, we prayed that the Lord would take care of her overnight. And we knew we couldn't do any more. You know, that was it. And so the next morning we got up, it was Thursday morning. And our oldest son, 
he liked the dog, but he wasn't a lover of her. So Ron took him to school, and Gabe said, Mom, I can't go to school. He said, we have to find Kiana. And so I said, okay. And so we got in our car, got in the van, and I said, we, and right, we live at the very end of a street, and there's a creek right at the end of our driveway. And I told him, I said, she's gonna be on the other side of the creek and on the other side of Ayers Road. And he said, how do you know, Mom? And I said, I don't know, Gabe, but I just know. And so we drove out of our, uh, down our street, turned left on another street, turned left on another street, turned left on Ayers. And he goes, how do you know, Mom? And I said, I just know she's gonna be on the other side of Ayers and the other side of the creek. So we drove over the little bridge that goes over the creek and we turned right on Olive. And I told him, I said, she's gonna be down by the creek. And, and uh, so, we, so we were driving down a couple little streets or past a couple little streets and we saw a street and it's Bayo. You guys may know where the street is, B-A-I-O. And I looked down the street and I could see a chain link fence and I knew that would be where the, near where the creek was. And I told him, I said, she's gonna be somewhere by the creek. You go down there, we parked the car. I said, you go down and look. And I said, I'm gonna tell the man in this house what we're doing, that was the last house on the left-hand side. I said, I, just so he's not wondering why these people are looking around, you know, down here and call the cops on us. So I went and knocked on his door and just told him, you know, we lost our dog last night and so we're looking for her. Just want to let you know what, he's, what we're doing. And he just looked at me and he goes, what's your dog look like? And I said, well, she's about this big, this tall, pointy ears, banana tail, you know. And he, go, he just looked at me and he goes, the people in that house right over there have your dog. I was like, what? And he said, yeah, they were playing with her all last night. The people in that house over there have your dog. Mm. And I was just like, just stunned, you know. But, and I, so I thanked him very much and went out and I called Gabe and I said, Gabe, we found Kiana. He's like, what? Because he was pretty good distance away from me. I said, we found Kiana. And so he came up and we went over to the house where the people had the dog, knocked on the door and nobody answered. And so we waited for a couple minutes, knocked on the door again. Finally, she came and answered the door. If we'd gone to her house first, we wouldn't have found Kiana. She was the only, she was the next house, but on the other side of the street. If I'd knocked on her house door, she wouldn't have answered because she was in the shower. So I knocked on that house. They told me she's over there. So she comes to the door and she was, you know, stuck her head over and I told her, I said, the man over there told us you have our dog. And she just kind of looked at me like, how in the world did you know that? You know, it so I told her, I said, you're the answer to prayer. You are the answer to prayer. So we found out um, that her, our dog had been playing with her dogs in the front yard all night long, but they were bigger dogs and our dog was a little bit littler. And so because her dogs were so overwhelming, our dog who was never allowed on the furniture in our house slept on her bed all night long. Hmm. So, <laughs> so she was very well taken care of, but for um, how God used that was, Gabe always had questions and always, and I believe for a long time had doubts about God. And when he would, you know, have those doubts, I would bring this up to him because he was there. He saw it. And I just tell him, Gabe, that was for you. God did that for you mm. just to show you all your life. He hears your prayers. He loves you. He cares for you. And I always say, remember when Kiana was lost? How, how else do you get taken to the house that can point you to right exactly right. where your dog is? Yeah. And we could have gone to literally hundreds of houses in that, you know, if we had drawn a mm -hmm. ring around it and said, we could have gone to hundreds of houses and God took us exactly where we needed to be. He hears our prayers. He knows, you know, he doesn't always work right now, but he, I'm, or, or I shouldn't say that. He, things don't come to fruition right now, but he's always at work. You know, and so our, our prayers are effective, but a lot of times they take time, you know, and it's, I praise God because he's, he's showing me that he's continually working. He's, he's weaving a tapestry that we don't know the whole picture. We can see parts of it. That's At times really we good, get a Marcia. glimpse. Really, yeah, it's really, really good. Uh, so there's, there's definitely a common theme, again, with, with praying through a lot of these issues. And I know there's been um, families that have had some very hard circumstances, no doubt. No family is perfect. No mom is perfect. No dad is perfect. But we can pray to the Lord and we know that we have a God who listens to us and provides for our needs and uh, will continually uh, act upon his promises for our good. 
That's, that's, that we'll find that in Romans 8, 828. And I'm, as I'm thinking through this, this whole thing, Marsha, like uh, about an answer to prayer and as a, a strong evidence of God's moving in your family's life and, and to kind of stake your, a lot of your faith on that answered prayer, that's so important for you to bring that out and, and get your, your family to kind of visualize that answer to prayer. Um, and so that should, you know, God's, God's given us this ability to speak to him continually and him to remind us that we have this responsibility and we're going to do our best to be the best mom or the best dad to our children and lead them, but they will make their own choices and not to beat ourselves up for those, for those bad choices and not to let those poor decisions that our children are making to, to define ourselves. Remember what we said in the very beginning is that it's your identity in Christ, the redeemed, the justified, the sanctified, that makes you who you are. And that results into what you do. So all the circumstances, all the situations, all the expectations that we have should not be the things that define us. So to love as Christ loved us is good. To be available to listen to our kids as they work through their issues, to have a home of of honesty and transparency is something that is spiritual in nature. Because that's just as the relationship that, that Christ wants to have with us, we have with our families, moms have with their children. That's really important to be available, to listen. You know, you're, you're not going to intentionally try to injure your, your children. That's just not how we're programmed. We want to do what's compassionate, what's right, and bear that fruit, and bear, and bear all those qualities of love that Paul talks about in 1 Corinthians 13. So thank you, um, panelists. Before I excuse you, I want you to just answer this one question. Ready? In one or two words, what would you what would you describe your experience being a mother? How would you describe that in one or two years? Two words. I would say overwhelming comes to thought. But I think it's overwhelming love, hmm. overwhelming grace. That was good. And overwhelming anxiety, <laughs> overwhelming guilt. But I feel like that overwhelming love and grace hmm. for your children and, um, and that God can give you will help you conquer the overwhelming anxiety and guilt. <laughs> and, good. you know, my kids are young. So I, and I'm sure when they're older, I'll still have an anxiety. I have to rely on that grace. Good. Linda, what would you say? I would say uh, unpredictable, <laughs> but very rewarding. Great. And I yeah. would say, too, parenting does come to an end, but prayer is ongoing. Nice. And sometimes, you know, I think I spend more time in prayer for my kids, not because there's something wrong, but just because I want to be sure they stay on the right track and are walking with the Lord faithfully each day. Nice. Great. And my grandkids too. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Linda. Marsha, what, what would you say? It was a roller coaster. <laughs> when, especially when they were younger, especially. It, and even some, you know, as they got older, it was, it's, but, you know, roller coasters are sometimes flat, sometimes you've got enjoying this part, and then it's a, you know, I mean, there's a lot of different aspects to a roller coaster. Some of it's really fun, and other times it's like, I can hardly wait to get off this thing. <laughs> so, you know, it's really been a roller coaster. Okay, it's good. That's a good term. I like that. So let me just recap real quick, and then we'll end this up, and we have one more video to show you. Um, let's not gauge our mom performance, our, our, our mom-hood, our role as performance-based. Christ came to get rid of that whole performance, law-based outlook in terms of trying to please God, trying to please your kids, and live by grace. 
the living by grace um, in the New Testament, it tells us that wherever the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That Christ came to give us freedom to live, not to be bound up on a performance base, trying to continually please others. God has designed each mom uniquely with special talents, unique unique skills, mindsets, backgrounds. Don't try to be someone you're not. Just be you, how God has designed you, and explore you more fully with the Lord in your prayers, in your devotional, of how he leads you, how he directs your paths. Everyone is different. Not every mom is the same. We're not perfect. Jesus wants us to to follow him as our great shepherd and have that abundant life and not let the thief come in to kill and steal and destroy. He wants us to enjoy life to the full. And as we see our children make choices, as painful as they might be, good choices, incredible choices, and we just count our blessings and rejoice for every single thing that we see as God is designing and planning and molding our, our lives. Let's encourage one another. 1 Corinthians 15:58 says, be steadfast, immovable, abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil, mom, moms, is not in vain. You are investing every day with your children and you should feel really good about that in the way that you uniquely do it. So I want to thank Marsha and Linda and Julie for being our panelists today.